Amen. Well, we've welcomed the presence of God to this place, and I, as the pastor, have this amazing privilege of speaking on behalf of God and saying, you're welcome here too. You're welcomed into the presence of God. Um, may you embrace that welcome this morning as we gather. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. My name's Nathan. I'm so happy you're here. This is Emmaus Church Community. Welcome. Thank you very much, friends, for leading us this morning. Um, great. If this is your first time here, I hope you feel welcomed, and I hope you feel a sense that this is a different place, an other place, that you can encounter God's presence here. Uh, that's our hope for the morning. Raise your hand if you'd like a Bible, and Alan or Ryan will hand you a Bible or sermon notes page. Just if there's something that would help you to follow along better this morning, go ahead and um, let that be known. Also, if you're on the aisle, would you grab a basket if it's under the chair near you? And there, in this, in this basket, there are cards that can be filled out if you'd like to hand off your contact information so that we can stay in touch. We're producing a weekly 60-second um, what's happening at Emmaus this week kind of email update. And uh, they're very brief. I hope you'll read them. It'll keep you in touch with what's happening and uh, other stuff that you'd like to know. We can connect you to the, to the database and the lists that way, all right? Good. Well, welcome. Uh, last week, we looked at, we started a new series last week, and we looked at the very first record, in case you missed it, we looked at the very first record in Scripture of a public meeting between God and people which is what we're doing right now. This is a public meeting between God and people. We looked at the very first record of a public meeting between God and people last week. It's recorded in Exodus 24. We highlighted five structural elements of this meeting that took place. The five are these. God calls the meeting. These are interesting because a lot of things have changed in Judeo worship and Jewish worship and Christian worship, but these five elements have not changed. God calls the meeting. The people participate in the meeting. The meeting centers around the proclamation of the word of God. The people respond to the word of God or receive the word of God or embrace the word of God. That's one of the primary ways that people participate. And then fifth, whoops, I went too fast. The, uh, the meeting is culminated or climaxes with a, an act of renewing the relationship. Some sort of an animal sacrifice in Exodus 24. Our, our gathering culminates in a, in a meal that Jesus himself links to the uh, forgiveness of sins, his death, making a way for us to be in the presence of God. So today what I want to do is I want to return to the very first point for a few minutes, to the idea that God calls this meeting. And I ask this simple question, if it is God who calls this meeting, if this is a worship gathering established and called, organized ultimately by God, then how is it that we should then prepare we don't actually have any examples in Scripture of Jesus directly addressing this question, but he does address a very similar question when his disciples ask him to teach them how to pray. And Jesus' response to that question, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to have a conversation with God. Teach us how to come into a, an encounter with God. It goes like this. Our Father in heaven, this is Jesus' response. When you pray, he says, pray this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So according to this teaching on prayer, Jesus, is established, Jesus establishes a specific manner in which we approach God. Do you ever wonder how you should start a conversation? 
You know you want to have a conversation, but you're not sure, how should I start this? Or you know you need to meet with so-and-so. It's really important because you got to have this meeting, but you're kind of struggling with how should I begin? Well, Jesus teaches us how to approach a conversation with God. Jesus teaches us how to begin a meeting with God. And he says it's essentially these two things. You begin with our Father, which is this radical reality that we're, re that we're invited to relate to the creator of the universe as our father, as our dad. And this is revolution. People say this is the most revolutionary thing Jesus said in the history of religion. From that perspective, this is the most radical thing he said, that you can talk to the creator as though he's your dad. What is this? This reminds us of God's love for us. Our father in heaven, our father reminds us of God's love for us. But this idea of God as dad is qualified or balanced by the reality that God the Father is in heaven. So what does that mean? He's other. He's different. He's holy. He's powerful. So as a parent, um, sorry, I'm just going too fast here. So we want a reminder of the, the love of God. We want a reminder also of the power of God. As a parent, I've had experiences where I am consumed with love for my kids, just consumed with love but very lacking in power. Like when my son Isaiah was wrestling in, with his treatment with cancer, I was incredibly, I was almost overwhelmed with a consuming um, awareness of my love for him. And a simultaneously of a lack of ability to do anything about what was going on. It was very hard. There's also, I've also had experiences that are kind of the flip to that, or actually have had, the ex have had some sort of ability, or I have had some power, or I have had some resources. I actually could make a difference in this situation. I actually could help this person. But, but in, some in some cases, I'm lacking the love, right? I, like, I have what it takes to make a difference, except I don't love that person enough to really want to make a difference. When we pray our Father in heaven, we're following Jesus and attributing both the, both of these realities to God at the same time, love and power. God's love is backed by his unparalleled power. His unparalleled power is motivated by this unparalleled love. So God, is, if God is all-loving and God is all-powerful, if that's who God is, if this is the God who is our Father in heaven and he has called this meeting, then how do you begin? How do you enter how do you get started? What do you do? What do you say? Well, to use Jesus' words, maybe it's something like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is a declaration of praise. It's a strange phrase for us, but it's a proclamation of worship. It's a reverent statement that recognizes the nature of the one who's called the meeting. Hallowed be your name. We're recognizing who it is who has gathered us here. The point of today's message, friends, the point of this, the next few minutes is simply to challenge our approach to the worship gathering. It's to examine the way we typically begin church. Okay, that's my point. I am personally challenged with this really basic idea that I or we should approach meeting with God differently than I or we approach other meetings that we have during the week. That's my challenge. Our approach to this gathering should be different. The way that we prepare for this gathering, the way that we enter into this gathering should be different. 
than the typical gatherings that we experience throughout the rest of the week. Here's the problem. We don't typically approach this gathering with a, and I'm speaking generally, but we don't typically approach this gathering with a hallowed be your name attitude. We just don't. We typically approach this meeting with a hurry up kids, be quiet, get settled kind of attitude, right? Or we approach this meeting with a quick, let me just grab some coffee attitude. We approach this meeting with what are we going to do after this today attitude. We approach this meeting from all kinds of perspectives other than hallowed be your name attitude. This, my hope for this is that it would be an encouraging reminder from a fellow traveler along the same journey, needing the recognition of the bigger picture again, so that what has become routine for many of us will not become flat and empty, but can, can breathe with life and meaning and significance every time that we do this. I was thinking or just a minute ago how it's, it's the routine things that can become so dead for us, and yet, isn't it ironic that we are only changed really by routines at the end of the year, at the end of the life. It's not the one knockoff kind of experiences that really change us. There's often an exception to that or two, but it's the routines that change us. And yet it's the routines that can become so flat and basic and just, oh my goodness, we're doing this again. They, we just can't allow that to happen. Right? We just can't allow that to happen. Um, what did Jesus mean when he said, hallowed be your name? Well, the word translated hallowed comes from the word holy. In the Bible, if a day is holy, it means it's to be treated differently than other days. It's to be honored. In the Bible, if a table is holy, it means that it's set apart for a different purpose than the rest of the tables. It's, 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 a, it's a sacred table for a holy purpose, a set apart and different purpose. If a temple is holy, it means there's a specific reason for that place that it was built and for the activity that should happen inside of that place. It probably isn't going to be a place where basketball happens or, or just a variety of multi-purpose sort of activity, but it's a temple. It's a holy place for a different or specific purpose. When Jesus prays, hallowed be your name, he's saying God's name is holy. His, his name is to be honored, held up as sacred, revered. On a very basic level, his name is to be treated differently, and it's not really about the name. That's the tricky thing. It's not really about the word or the letters, Yahweh, or whatever. Because from a biblical standpoint, name signifies character and nature. So the name, when Jesus says, hallowed be your name, we need to revere your name, he's really saying we need to revere and respect and give you honor of the, like, that is deserved by your character, by your nature. This is what, uh, there's a Scottish theologian, 20th century named William Barclay, he says this, Therefore, we pray, when we pray, hallowed be your name, it means enable us to give you the unique place which your nature and character deserve and demand. That's the prayer. Enable us, God, to give you the place that your name demands. Cyprian, 3rd century, so we go 20th century, all the way back, 3rd century pastor, he says this, we pray, hallowed be your name, not to make God holy. God is already holy. But so God's name is hallowed in us. Or in other words, is, is, is uh, recognized as holy within us. I'd put it like this. We say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name because that's what's true. He's holy. That's what's true. We pray, hallowed be your name, so that we will be shaped by what's true. 
so that I will approach God differently than I approach anyone else, that I will enter into a meeting with God differently than I approach a meeting with anybody else, with a deeper sense of reverence. Let me just name a couple reasons why I think it's so easy for us to just clumsily stumble into worship. There's a bunch of reasons. Let me just name a couple. One, we worship, we worship in a school cafeteria. That is not one of our strong assets. Okay? This makes it a little bit challenging for us, I think, on a lot of levels. Throughout most of history, at least much of Christian history, certainly not all but a lot, Christian worship has happened in buildings made for one purpose, and that is the worship of God. All kind, I mean, for generations, sometimes hundreds of years go into the building of space for the one purpose of helping people step in and know what is real and what is true. And so architecture can actually help people enter into worship in a way that is appropriate. It's interesting to watch people, especially when they come into a cathedral or a beautiful sanctuary for the first time. It's interesting to watch them because often they'll just instinctively lower their voice. Have you noticed that? Almost kind of start whispering. Lift their eyes. The building actually helps them acknowledge the truth about God. This building doesn't do that so much. Yeah. When you walk into this building... You know, you might be reminded that you, you know, got held back in third grade or something like that. <laughs> now, there's an awesome team of people that spend a lot of time doing this. And this is, really, this is really appreciated, and it's helpful. And if you can block out your peripheral vision of all the dumb cat posters that have been up there for nine years, then you can actually maybe be helped a little bit by the good work that we appreciate um, from the folks that set up a space that is intended to draw our attention to something holy. A second reason it's easy for us to just sort of clumsily stumble into worship is because we really don't have any well-embraced entrance rituals. We don't. In some Christian traditions, people, when they come into the place of worship, they will bow towards the altar or they will bow towards the cross. In some Christian traditions, people put their fingers into water, which is set apart, which is just to say it is holy, it is made separate for a sacred purpose. They touch the water. Why in the world do they do that? To remind themselves of their baptism, of the fact that they received grace for salvation. I mean, they're coming into worship, and the whole gospel is right there. And then they'll cross themselves to remind themselves of who they truly are, their core identity, isn't about anything or anyone other than Jesus. And this is just how they begin. This is really powerful to me. We don't really have anything like this so much. There's a Christian tradition which will open its doors an hour before the worship gathering begins for an hour of, and they use this word, adoration. You think you might be a little more focused in worship if for an hour before 10 o'clock we gathered to adore Christ? I mean, that's really powerful to me. We're part of a church in Chicago uh, when we were students there that would begin with a moment of silence. The ministers would, would process down the center aisle and they would hold the Bible out in front of them like this. And then they would kind of set up in the front. There were a bunch of them. And then the pastor would say, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. And we would just spend a minute in silence. 
We don't really have any rituals that prepare us or remind us of what we're doing or how to approach this gathering. So we got no architectural helps. you got very few ritualistic helps. So our preparation for worship, for worship it needs to happen in our hearts. It, it, it literally just... There's not much to help us. Now, maybe you could set some things up that would help you, but ultimately, it needs to happen in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls. And the truth is that people get accustomed to even the most beautiful sanctuaries and walk right in the door, right? The truth is that the best rituals can just become empty, just empty. And so even in the best cases, in my opinion, these common helps, and that's really what they are, they're just reminders for the truth, they still need to be embraced in the heart, in order to be helpful. In other words, we ultimately cannot rely on someone else to get us ready for worship. We can't rely on something else to help us get ready for worship. We have to recognize our need for preparation and do the hard work of preparing our hearts for worship. And this is probably a very personal thing. What will work for you probably won't work for me and vice versa. So I've been trying to pay attention to the way I've been preparing for different kinds of experiences so that I can re-examine the way I'm preparing for worship. This is a a unique dynamic for us who are part of the leadership of this gathering. There's a lot of work and packing and trailers and driving and practical problems and things not working that's all mixed up with our preparation for worship. In some ways, it's fantastic. In other ways, it's not ideal. But I need to re-examine this issue for myself. So I've been paying attention to things that I'm doing. So like, for example, on Thursday... I drove a couple of hours to meet with a minister uh, with whom I have been talking several times a year for 15 years. He served as a spiritual director for me, one who basically listens to me and then reflects back what he's hearing in light of the gospel. He's been a very uh, powerful mentor figure for me. And so I'm driving down uh, Thursday, and I'm realizing I'm, I'm actually expecting to meet with God. I actually have this anticipation that I'm going to get some clarity in some areas where I'm stuck, and I'm going to get encouragement where I'm feeling broken and, and, and beat up, and I'm going to get some, some insight. I'm actually expecting to, to meet with God and have an experience with him. Um, in some ways, it's very similar to coming to church, at least I hope. So I paid attention to some of the ways I was preparing for that meeting in light of that expectation. I didn't turn on talk radio, which is my go-to when I'm driving. Didn't for a couple hours, right? I thought about the issues that I was facing. Tried to bring some clarity and name some of the issues that I was dealing with. I wanted to be able to talk about them, not just sort of go, I think, I don't know, but actually like, this is it. I think it's this. There was a sense of intentionality and meaning and purpose from the very beginning of the morning I wasn't just going through the motions. I wasn't thinking about other things. I was all in. I was very focused. I was really very focused. It was a hard issue, right? Another experience I've had uh, several times in recent months is uh, the experience of going to a hospital to meet with somebody who's about to die or who just received really bad news. And unlike other experiences for which you prepare, you don't have much time to prepare for for that kind of a thing. It often is a, a call in the middle of the night or in the middle of a lot of other stuff. And so I often don't feel prepared as I'm walking from one thing right into a hospital room where who knows what's really going to happen. And so in situations like that, I actually will say a short prayer. I'll actually use the handle of the hospital as a trigger. All doors have handles, so it works, or at least a push bar. I, I will actually use the handle of a hospital as a trigger to pray, God, please accomplish your will for this time in this place. 
because I need some sort of prayer to focus and prepare for what I'm about to encounter because I have no idea what it is. And, and we could all do something like that as we enter into worship on Sunday mornings. We could do something like that. You could be coming from chaos. So many of you are in a stage of life where you've just got all these little kids or you've got big kids that are still needing all kinds of attention, right? You hit that door and God, this is your hour. This is, I want to be, please enable me to be present here, accomplish your purpose for this time and this place in my life. And then finally, all sorts of meetings that require just really practical preparation, I've noticed, because I was just paying attention to this over the last week. Um, and you do too. You have all kinds of meetings because you play different roles, right, in different situations. So like I'm a soccer coach. So when I prepare for that meeting, it's a really practical preparation. I need the right shoes. I need my stopwatch. I need water. Um, so that may seem really silly to you. Sometimes I'll have a meeting, um, and almost always when I have a meeting, I want my Bible, I want my journal, I want my phone, and I want my wallet, because I'm often trying to offer to pay for coffee or a sandwich or something like that. So, and here's the thing. Sometimes I won't use my stopwatch at soccer practice. Sometimes I won't use my Bible in a meeting with somebody. But having those things is part of preparing me for the reality of what I'm getting into. I'm not just stum I'm not going to go to soccer practice like this, in other words, because I will not be prepared for the role I need to play there. Right. It's interesting, I, sometimes I'll dress up, and it's not out of some sort of legalistic requirement or rule. It's to help me gear up, be all in, for the meeting that I'm about to experience. You know what I'm talking about, right? Carmen will say, why are you shaving? You shaved yesterday. I hate shaving two days in a row. It hurts. Um, but it's because I'm trying. I'm like, it's not just because I want to look good for so-and-so. It's part of preparing to be like on my game. It's, it's part of preparing to be present. What about you? What about you? What are the stories that you have memorable experiences that you have had to prepare for. And so you could look at those stories. You could rehearse those experiences. And you could learn what it takes to prepare you for a meaningful experience. What are the, what are the routines that you have? How can you better prepare for worship? How can you learn from these other things? Historically, the first movement of the Christian worship gathering, and this goes all the way back to Exodus 24, is the call to worship. It's what Stephanie gave us. It's what Krista gave us, this call to worship. For us, the, the call to worship is typically just an invitation to participate, kind of like, okay, come on in, right? And typically we use just a couple of songs, but the songs are specifically chosen because of the lyrical content and the invitation to be here now, to lift up our hearts and our minds to the Lord, to acknowledge what it is that we're doing here together. So it's important that you realize this. And I hope this doesn't sound critical, but this is, this is not, these are not warm-up songs. This is not like the opening act to the real headline event, right? This, the, these, these songs are put here for specific purpose of transitioning from another thing to this specific thing. And they're intended to be entered into, they're, they're hopefully they're tools that help you engage in what we're doing. It's not a time that was designed for oh, time to get coffee, or designed for let's decide where we're going to go to lunch with our friends. And there's all kinds of important things that are good and right that are happening as we gather. We talk in our staff meeting about how difficult it is that we basically go from the parking lot to the sanctuary. There is no foyer. There is no fellowship space in, this, in what we've been given here and what we have. Um, and, and so it just, it just makes it a little bit more difficult. 
But this time is, is for, it's designed to help us approach God and to help begin to worship God. For us to essentially say, as a community together, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? So may we prepare well for worship. May we embrace the call to worship corporately. We probably don't do this any other time or place during the week, many of us. May we embrace this call and may our experience of worship grow deeper and more profound and more meaningful, more life-giving, more significant as we prepare our hearts and our minds and our souls and our bodies to be here now and to engage in the work of the church, which is worship. Amen? Amen. 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 Great. Well, let's stand up together. Let's take just a minute to embrace one another. Historically, you receive the word of God. You receive the grace of God the assurance that you are loved by God, and then you want to immediately extend that to others, all right? So then we'll do that, and then we'll come back together. We'll engage in another season of singing and really applying our hearts and minds to the adoration of Jesus. May the peace of Christ be always with you. Thank you. Take a minute. Greet one another, please, those around you.